Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Welcome to Notes from the Back Row. I am here with Carlo. Hey, what's up? And I, meaning Jenna, that's me. And (laughs) we are here again for another post-anime club. But before we get into the who, what, why, where, when, how of that, I just wanted to direct your attention real quick towards back-row.com. What a sight. Would you agree? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. I've been a Patreon <laughs> for I don't know how long, <laughs> supporting my my own brand here. <laughs> See, it's, it. it's a brand so nice, Carlo pays himself to, <laughs> to do stuff for it. <laughs> hey, I don't see any money. <laughs> <laughs> it goes towards things um, yeah, in my pocket. <laughs> and you should join our Patreon, by the way. We have some cool stuff out there. For the podcast, you get a, a whole week early if you, if you, uh, you know, want that. And other things, you get a swag box at the end of the year, depending on what level you buy. So it's pretty dang cool. And we love our Patreons, and they they have absolutely kept the lights on. So thank you guys so much. But for now, we are going to be talking post-anime club, which is Carlo and I diving into the world of Japanese cinema, a world that we had long ignored, and now we're trying to make up for it by choosing a whole bunch of really cool movies and watching them. And uh, yeah, so for this episode, I I chose two movies that were both from the 1960s, and the criteria for why I chose them is really just that they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm and with you there. they're both about like torturing and like death and you know like horror scenarios basically yeah you chose basically two horror movies which is uh, an interesting choice coming from me because you don't watch horror movies i don't and it's funny because for some reason i don't consider these horror movies but they 100 percent are um and the only mm. thing that i would say for me personally that probably why my brain brokenly doesn't consider them horror movies is that they don't mm. scare me <laughs> no no but uh... But they're horrifying like... and creepy. And if they happened in real life, I'd shit myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, that that's most horror movies that I watch. They're not scary. But then that's me saying that. Maybe that's just, I don't know. I've been desensitized. I don't know. Maybe. But I do generally just watch old horror movies, which, I don't know. Like, can you think of an old horror movie you can't watch because you think it's too scary? Or if you had, like, a scary experience watching an old horror movie? Like something that is still scary now. Anything with ghosts. <laughs> okay. Like what's 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 a like an old classic movie with ghosts? The what's it? House the on Haunted Hill. The, the ghosting <laughs> of 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, there's like the haunting and, and House on Haunted Hill, like this whole haunting, haunted exploitation. I don't know. It's like a couple of movies made there and uh, influenced by mainly the haunt, the haunting, I feel, the original haunting. But is that a scary movie though? <laughs> Anything where, where things jump out at you or they like they use the dark against mm. you um, yeah. is, is something that will make me jump. I, it's been funny in like watching you know for cinema 60 which part of why i sort of even chose these these movies is because i had watched one for cinema 60 but um watching some of those movies there uh like it, it's amazing what does scare me and what doesn't because i'm with you there's like a degree of like just older filmmaking where you kind of you know the tropes so well it's not so yeah. scary but like yeah. when it does scare me it makes me jump so <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to that entire episode, but were those little horror movies that you did for the episode? No, they were just sort of. Oh, okay. So part of the inspiration for this was the fact that for in my other life on Cinema Sixty, which is a podcast I do with uh, Bart about 1960s cinema, we did a whole episode on Japanese new wave cinema um, in the year 1969. Oh, okay, so it's yeah, sort yeah. of like the crazy. Um, it's purely Japanese, even though it has very clear influences in 60s cinema, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. it's it's a lot of really nutty stuff, like really out there filmmaking and a lot of nudity and weird sexuality, kind <laughs> of like, you know, torture, pain, fire, kind of, you know, like it in yeah, that, that moving sounds into like, like Japanese cinema. <laughs> <laughs> and then moving into like the fringes of society where you get like funeral parade of roses, which is just like a really interesting look at basically trans culture in 1969 yeah. Japan. So mm. yeah, so there's like a it was a really fun and and neat episode. And it was all stuff that I was really excited to jump into. But then there was this one movie uh called Blind Beast which uh, I don't know if we should, should we like go backwards? Like it's sort of interesting to me, like the two movies that I chose, let me stop bearing the lead here, was <laughs> Jigoku from 1960 and then Blind Beast from 1969. And I mostly put these together again, just because they visually are wacky. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted you, Carlo, to watch yeah. Blind Beast because it kind of really ties into our whole post anime club like you know as two people that draw and and you know yeah, yeah, yeah. sort like of like a focus on angle. art and in mm. horror and so i figured like you have yeah. to you have to see this whether or not you like it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i've never seen them like i've been in, like especially jigoku has been on my radar for years and years as this um like newly reappreciated cult horror movie that i've never gotten around to but blind beast is from a director who I've, I've watched a couple of his movies, but they haven't really hit for me. Yeah, let's just jump right into Jigoku because okay. why not?
Goku, which is directed by Nobuo Nakagawa. The title, I guess, translates just to hell. Yeah, it's hell. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about going to hell, you know, as you do. <laughs> it's about really, it's if about you lead a like... good life. <laughs> I mean, it's about a guy who's sort of like, he has this friend and he sort of leads the main guy astray. And the entire movie, you're sort of wondering, is this guy a figment of his imagination or is he like real because other people can see him? Uh, but yeah, it builds up to a point where ultimately the, the main character ends up in hell, Jigoku. Um, but yeah, he gets into like a, he, he basically gets other people killed um, because this friend, Tamura, I believe the character is called, uh, makes them get into a car accident. They, they run a guy over who's in the Yakuza. Um, and his, I believe his fiance as well, something happens to her. It's, I believe it's another car accident. That's that's such an easy uh, go-to for this movie. Like people need to die, I don't know, car accident. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it sort of builds up and it's just like this entire like uh, making the main guy like miserable. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's, that's, I don't know if you call that a description, but that's the gist of what happens in Jigoku. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really wanted to watch this because I had seen screenshots of it and I saw stills mm -hmm. from the movie and the, the, the hell part <laughs> just looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was not so much prepared for just how long it took us to get to hell, quite frankly. But um, the thing about this movie that was kind of interesting, which I, I realized afterward actually watching um, this movie streaming on, on the Criterion channel. And yeah. there's a little documentary that you can watch uh, up oh. on that. So it was that. kind of cool to watch the documentary and, and realize that this movie was, um, I think, the last movie to come out of this uh, Shin Toho Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Some people which... say that it, it bankrupted them, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's not like a fact, but people jokingly say it because it's their last movie. Yeah, and apparently this this studio, and maybe you know a bit more about this, but apparently it was known for sort of producing these sort of B-movies. They were, um, this wasn't a movie people were waiting to see. Oh, okay, <laughs> Let's put yeah. it that way. And uh, and also, according to this documentary, they, they kind of mentioned that horror wasn't really a genre in Japan. Uh, it wasn't mm -hmm. like considered something that you know, you were making a horror movie. It was just like you're making a movie. So so it's kind of interesting that this is one of the films that kind of cemented the idea of of uh, of horror, or at least is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. very firmly part of that and, and part of Japanese cinema history for, for, you know, just kind of being this movie about, as you said, it's just like this guy being led astray and then and then what sort of happens in, in hell mm. <laughs> afterward. Yeah, this like the Buddhist hell thing. But yeah, it's, it just feels more modern because up until the 60s, like at Shintoho as well, the kind of movies that Nobuo Nakagawa would make are like ghost stories and, and often set in like the, the Edo period, like samurais and all that stuff, which Jigoku is not. Jigoku is like taking place in 1960 and there's like no samurais. There's arguably a ghost maybe, but it, it doesn't feel like that at all. It was funny because the, the documentary also mentioned, which was I, I, I was sort of thinking of because I'm always thinking about Faust, but apparently Faust was a big <laughs> influence. He, like The director was like, I'm going to make 
Faust and sort of considered that that okay. evil friend character to be like Mephistopheles, so to be yeah, the, yeah. like a devil leading him down into hell. Okay. So I don't know that the Faust, like apparently he really was was into it. I don't totally huh. see it. <laughs> He was into Goethe, but I, I sure, but I didn't really find that it it followed too much of what Goethe was doing. But at the same time, it was interesting because he felt that this was like a, a film about the outside and the inside of a person, which is mm. very much what what Fa Goethe's Faust is doing. Um, mm. So you do kind of get these two worlds of like what's happening with um, this man being led astray and then the sort of inner work that needs to happen with him while he's in hell. Yeah. But how, what did you think about this movie? I don't know, man. This movie, I, I maybe just built it up too much in my head. I, I, I can't really say that I loved it. There are things about it that I appreciated. Like this, this movie, like you mentioned, it takes a long time to get to the goodies. <laughs> it, it just has a weird pace because like at first it seems like it's, it's in this rush to hit like a bunch of like story beats, like a bunch of stuff needs to happen, like this escalation of this guy being tormented. And you're just like wondering the entire time, like, where is this leading to? Which, which sort of makes it feel slow, even though the progression of events is like, it, they don't spend a lot of like downtime building character or anything. And then there's sort of this slump in the middle where not much is happening, not much like story progress is happening either right uh but ultimately there's like a culmination and a bunch of people die and then we're in hell and i'm like <laughs> okay and 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 that's the part that everyone always talks about like there's a bunch of reviews where people are like yeah it's a bit slow but then you get to hell and it's worth the wait and i don't know if i felt that way <laughs> uh like there's some pretty gnarly gore in it which i wasn't expecting um i mean 1960 like maybe yeah in america there are a couple of examples like definitely in like b movies uh herschel gordon lewis uh i'm thinking especially in the 60s was doing like super super schlocky stuff um but this still feels different because like the movie surrounding it is not like a herschel gordon lewis movie but like those moments as well like there's like one or two moments where like someone's skin basically gets torn off and there's like these yeah. goopy skeletons skeleton remains and that was cool as shit but the entire like final 20 minutes i think or like maybe it's a bit more but it doesn't make a lot of sense and i get it okay you're in hell it's this like fever dream and nothing is really supposed to make sense but because of that like i at that point, I just also wasn't very invested in the characters because everything leading up to that was kind of like, what's the point of this? And then you get to hell. And I don't know, even that I found like a little underwhelming, just maybe the way people built it up or it was built up in my mind. It's it, The main thing they do is just use green lighting on everything. <laughs> and it's all <laughs> taking place in the darkness. Like I expected maybe a little bit more visual excess. Maybe that's just what I'm used to. <laughs> you know what it really it reminded me of there is this um I'm going to I'm going to butcher his name cuz I can't pronounce French either but Henri Georges Clouseau's Inferno L'Enfer uh is this like really bizarre it there's I watched this documentary on the making of a film that never got made. Okay. And so this director uh Clouseau like he had basically an unlimited budget 
to shoot Dante's Inferno. And hmm. so he ended up just blowing it on coming up with different effects with like just between like lighting and camera and mm. uh, all of these really weird things that, that reminded me so much though, though I'll say that the, he shot this after this. So this was in like okay. the mid sixties, but it reminded me so much of, of what hell looks like in Jigoku because it's mm. exactly like you said, it's like all about like the lighting. There's like, yeah. you know, hands <laughs> coming out of the ground. There's like just people screaming everywhere. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. these sort of murky landscapes that you can't see because they kind of fade into to darkness. Mm. And it just reminded me so much of, of this, uh, Lynn fair because it was also, it's just like, I'm with you. Like you don't, it looks beautiful <laughs> in a messed up way, but like you also don't really, you don't get much out of it. Like it wasn't yeah. scary. Like there was that one dude that's getting flayed alive, which like I agree was like amazing <laughs> and like really intense. And then yeah. it's just like a bunch of like hands or something. Yeah. Or, or like close up of like busted teeth and shit and like the spinning wheel of fire. That's like a very yeah. classic Japanese image. Uh, a child crying in the distance kind of stuff. Classic. Um, yeah. You know, so it, <laughs> it was definitely interesting. Like I enjoyed watching it. Like I, mm. this was what I had been waiting for and it didn't disappoint so much, but I'm with you. It's mm. like sort of weird. It was sort of hollow. And I also was a little bit um, turned off, but, and I don't fully get like the, the lead up to all of this is not only that like Shiro, you know, it's like one thing for him to be a passenger in a car that his friend drives that then kills a man. And the, and they sort of make a point about how the, that they kill and like, it's like a hit and run is, is a gangster and mm -hmm. he's not exactly like an upstanding citizen. So it's not like this. And even the friends like, ah, he's scum, whatever, like sleep it <laughs> off, you know, like totally yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whereas like Shiro's like, I'm about to get married and now this has ruined my life uh, yeah. until it, and then it does like then everything, every single thing it happens to him. That is just only the worst thing in the world. And, and uh, you know, his, his wife dies and then he ends yeah. up like in a weird. Um, yeah. And, and his wife dies and then he meets this other girl in his hometown, which is called uh, Tenjoen and Tenjoen means heavenly garden. <laughs> uh, nice. which I found interesting <laughs> like you're in the heavenly garden before, before you ascend into hell or descend into hell um, and then he meets this girl in his hometown like I said who, who's like the splitting image like it's the same actress <laughs> Yeah. and then he falls in love with her and then I don't know <laughs> should I say it's kind of a spoiler to say I guess so but yeah there's something weird going on there as well yeah I mean they just like they take what, what could have been and again, it's like if you're going to even try to do like if this was Gretchen and Faust, even mm. Gretchen gets done pretty dirty by Faust, but like not like to this level. <laughs> there's nothing this nutty. Uh, and yeah. then the other thing was like that weird. There's like a story about I, I just found the whole thing very moralistic uh, at the end of the mm. day for a movie called Hell that like really indulges once it finally gets you to hell in some yeah. pretty graphic imagery, especially for 1960. It, yeah, it yeah. Just... definitely in Japanese cinema, 1960s especially. Uh, oh, yeah. There's like stuff like Onibaba and Kuroneko from the 60s, but that is very different. There's like some ghostly shenanigans going on, but those movies are in black and white and they're, they, they're like even more classical than this. So this, this it's like, I don't know, balancing on the edge of slightly trashy, slightly schlocky, especially when the gore effects pop up. But 
Yeah, it's it's just this problem that I have with the movie, I guess, as well. It's it's it can pick a lane, sort of. Like it wants to like indulge yeah. in the trashy stuff, but it also wants to be taken seriously as a movie. You know, like it's an artistic movie about going to hell. Well, I that was wasn't it his father was the one who like they say he's in war and he's like a war hero. But then, like, when he, he ends up in hell because mm -hmm. at, at, like, one point he was being bombed and his comrade was dying and he yeah. wanted a sip of water, but the father took the water instead. And then he, as not being mortally wounded, went on to go live his life, whereas the other guy died on, in the field. Uh, and they were like, and that's why he's in hell. He didn't, he didn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that has to be that, it. Yeah, only that sh that sip of water, and and I was like, well, that's kind of fucked, you know. Like, <laughs> it's easy to get into hell. It's it's way harder to get into heaven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and that's like fine, you know. Like, I, I you know, I guess not everyone needs to be in heaven, but that felt like a little bit much. <laughs> <Rude>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a whole the whole tainted fish part of that village. I don't know. Everyone's just pretty wicked. So mm, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. It was um it was weird. It wasn't what I was expecting. But the hell looks great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. It kind of reminded me of this other movie, like a recent movie I saw called Too Young to Die, which is like the just the hell part of Jigoku, but. The, the entire movie like the main character ends up in hell immediately but the movie like the tone is way different like it's sort of like a heavy metal musical comedy out of japan huh which i thought was a pretty rad movie like that was way more my speed because there's like i don't know there's no like preaching about what you're supposed to do or not supposed to do to end up in hell or you know like no moralizing at all it's it's just a a goofy fun time movie totally and the other film that that we chose here, that's kind of what you get, but I, I wouldn't really call it a fun movie. <laughs> no, no, it's not. There's, yeah, there's fun aspects about Blind Beast. in the way that are are in Jigoku like visually like these movies like are pretty neat as if you look at them as like art installations I guess yeah like set design and conceptually visual concepts because Blind Beast is about an artist he's blind but he has this crazy fucked up lair of body parts and like mouths and breasts and and legs like coming out of these like black walls that he like um sculpted with his hands and they're i believe at one point he mentions that they're all body parts of women he's touched in the past right yeah cool cool guy <laughs> you, you don't do that no, no just no. just me <laughs> yeah just you and the guy from blind beast <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what Blind Beast is about. <laughs> it is. And then he kidnaps a a, a model who yeah. he finds in a art installation because there's a, a statue of her. He becomes obsessed and then he oh, yeah. 
kidnaps he like runs his hands all over and she's kind of watching this and she's like a little bit into it but she's also horrified. she gets super into it like <laughs> after the like initial reaction of like what the fuck is this guy do- doing to my statue but then she's like "Ooh, actually <laughs> yeah sensual and then yeah. um then he kidnaps her and and yeah and she wakes up in that in this crazy room as you just de- as you described where at a certain point you're like how many walls <laughs> Yeah, How many yeah, sides yeah. are in this room because she yeah. keeps sort of falling to to the right into like eight different walls of mm. different body parts of women and yeah and um, in the middle there's like this huge body it's like the centerpiece like where they just like hang out on and you know all kinds of stuff happens there <laughs> all kinds of things yeah <laughs> i mean this sort of becomes a weird um, I mean, he has, he has a mother, of course, who is his of enabler course. and, and she, you know, is trying to keep this woman and she kind of knows that she's up to something and she's trying to worm her way out of being his captive. And eventually he makes this sort of, he strikes this deal with her, which is like, let me sculpt you and then, uh, I'll let you go. And mm. it, she kind of goes back and forth between trying to sort of seduce him and to get out and then yeah. accepting he- that he can just do the damn thing and get it over with when that doesn't work and yeah he's like sort of like bargaining with her like he's he's uh trying to make a case for his art he says like why can't touching be an art form i'm like (laughs) whoa dude like go get some carpet samples or something like don't kidnap girls and shit and he's like recreating her shape in clay which also i find a little bit confusing like you're recreating human skin in clay those things don't have the same texture so you're not like recreating touch it's still like a visual thing how does that translate to other people experiencing said texture it's it's like what you're doing doesn't really add up but sure you know you just have to take another toke and oh okay sense. yeah that's that's what i was failing to do yeah and uh i don't this is another one where it's like i i to, to talk about it is only to just spoil it. And and we have to get to a certain point, like she she goes full on Stockholm Syndrome. And mm. just like, it, it literally is just one of these movies where he rapes her and then she's like, oh, it is love. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it's like, just one of those. You're, you're awful, but I've come to love you. And right. she's just, because she's she just gets raped gives up, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she starts to go blind herself because she says, my eyes have atrophied because we've been in the dark this whole time. (laughs) And then the sex gets really kinky and it starts with biting and then it goes into bleeding and then it goes into cutting and then it gets even nuttier from there. Let's let's put it like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They go on this like... Uh, I don't know, this this debaucherous fucking meme fest. <laughs> and I'm watching yeah. it, I'm like, man, these these people, who, who's going out for groceries in this relationship? I have to wonder, you know? <laughs> Where do they right. find the time? <laughs> like, <laughs> just uh, sustained by debauchery, really. <laughs> it's a hobby. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> this movie is... Uh, I don't even know if we mentioned it's uh, directed by Yasuzo Masumura. But you've seen some of his movies, right? I think this I is have, the only yeah. one I've seen by him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen Giant Toys, which I believe is coming out on Blu-ray soon from Arrow. And another, oh, yeah, Blue Sky Maiden. Uh, Blue Sky Maiden is probably like the most, I don't know, 
uh, normal movie of his, I guess. Like Giant Toys is definitely like a commentary on consumerism and the advertising world. It's about this girl who has like super crooked teeth, uh, but she come she becomes this um, like basically the face of a brand of toys, I believe. Yeah, that makes sense because the movie's called Giant Toys. Blue Sky Maiden is more like a, about a girl who is trying to find her real mother or something. But yeah, I don't know. His movies just kind of fail to resonate with me. Again, for the same reason that Jigoku did. It's it's this thing of like not being able to pick a lane. Especially for like Blind Beast is probably the one I like most of the movies I've seen of uh, Masumura. Because it's it's more indulging and just like grotesque imagery, which I thought was pretty cool. Meanwhile, for example, Giant Toys is, is really leaning into like commentary but i don't know like mo- most people like his movies so i don't like i don't want to be like <laughs> contrarian or anything they just fail to resonate with me i just find most of his characters kind of like unlikable and unrelatable as well and blind beast at one point i was sort of like rooting for the girl to just get out of that situation but then she gives up and it just becomes like a movie about exploring like sadomasochism and all that stuff and i'm like yeah this isn't my bag so whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah this was it's such a weird movie it like it it's for me i went through this roller coaster of like being really intrigued by Mm -hmm. aspects of it and really repelled by aspects of it and then just (laughs) sort of also accepting it and just kind of going with it but i i can't say that like i i even you know, it's one of these movies where my my notes from watching this movie end with me just literally typing, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because there's just, I don't know what else to say about it. But like, you know, there there is this, I have this quote here from Masumura that uh, I think is sort of interesting. Is yeah. that he says, what interests me is a conflict between expressions of naked desires which cannot be mitigated by the environment. So to me... It's kind of a clinical quote, but to me, that is kind of what this is. This is just like, what what happens when you kidnap a woman? <laughs> a how-to. For art, you know, like what, what happens when oh, you do oh, this for, for art. For, okay, yeah. yeah, in pursuit of the perfect artistic mm. creation or something like that, which, of course, it's not, the, the situation isn't that simple. And so that's part of the problem is that watching this, I sat there thinking like, you know, what woman would ever accept this? You know, like in a weird way, it gets almost like it it verges on feminism and then it just completely backs away from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it kind of like it never really seems to understand what a woman in this scenario would be thinking as much as it is really obsessed with what what Michio is thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, <laughs> as a woman watching this, I was like, eh, you know, not really. Like, you, <laughs> you kind of missed mean, it. But, you know, on the other hand, like, it is sort of interesting to see, like, yeah, yeah what happens when you're basically yes-anding huh. everything. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. if I rape you enough times, then what? Kind of huh. male fantasy, I suppose. Yeah, that's, that tends to be a bit of an issue, which, like, like you know, not just Japanese movies, obviously, but there's there's like more examples I can think of, like especially during this era, like in the sixties and the in the seventies, especially as well, like uh, a lot of like exploitation cinema, even like the female prisoner Scorpion movies have have, have aspects of that. 
I love those movies, right. but like not for their like sensible portrayals of female characters or anything, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's more like superficially, like, because I feel like those movies, especially the first two female prisoner Scorpio movies really nail that balance of just leaning into schlock, but doing it in a very pretty looking way, <laughs> um, which is very nice to look at. And I don't know, like, there's no pretense with those movies, even though like the director is definitely like very inspired by like European new wave cinema and everything. But yeah, somehow the, the balance was different. Maybe it's like a different studio, like Toy, they, they definitely are more on the B-movie side of things. It's, it's hard to nail that balance. Uh, for this movie, it, it, it almost got there. Like I was almost on its side, but then, yeah, <laughs> it just slipped away from me. Yeah, it's interesting to sort of see. I mean, this is, and this is, I think, actually even part of what we were saying in the cinema 60 episode is that at a certain point, like when you're, when these things, when boundaries are being pushed and, and things are, are moving and changing and progressing in society, there's always this point where it only goes up to so far and then it mm -hmm. kind of backslides again. And for me, I mean, like there's a lot of interesting stuff that comes out of the sixties and, and especially out of 69, but 69 is also like the precipice where everything starts to backslide into 70s exploitation and yeah. just like nudie flicks and you know there's there's a whole sea change of standards relaxing and, and rated x being a thing and mm -hmm. um so and then everyone gets obsessed with that it's like they they you know <laughs> new toy yeah you know distracted by the shiny naked breasts in front of them <laughs> but um mm -hmm. yeah so it's just sort of funny but i i wouldn't i don't know if i would classify like, I guess Blind Beast is almost at the edge of a Pinku film, but like, I don't know that I would mm. classify it as one. I actually do think that it sort of mm. merits more than just as like sexploitation, even though it's completely, <laughs> it's total sexploitation. And, and yeah, I'm with I guess you, it's like I don't think there's much proto Pinku. Yeah, I don't think there's like much that's happening be beneath this. Like, I really think this is just an indulgence in a, in a feeling and, mm -hmm. and like, uh, a what if male fantasy scenario but yeah, yeah. it also at least is like trying <laughs> yeah. i don't know like take this movie and just take away the sets and what's left nothing <laughs> <laughs> not nothing but that's like a big part of like the just the appeal of this movie like when i think about this movie i think about those sets like those sculpted walls with the body parts and that's just cool to look at uh, no matter what kind of movies it is surrounding, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of like, I think you, you even said earlier, it, it's like an art installation. It's like yeah. showing up and, and just sort of being immersed in a world. And in a way it, it almost reminds me of also art installations that don't totally click <laughs> or you're like, that. well, this is cool, but I didn't, I don't really feel anything. No, 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 no. I enjoyed it. It's memorable. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know, like, I like I, I hate to generalize, like, with Japanese cinema. I've consumed a lot of Japanese media, like, not just movies, like, manga as well. We talk, we've mentioned that several times. But in general, like, especially, like, mature Japanese media, like, movies, but there's, like, manga as well. I'm not talking about stuff like Naruto and all that stuff that we uh, were into, like, 15, 20 years ago. But, you know, like, marketed towards adults stuff. And there's, they, they're like generally pretty good, like imbuing pathos in their works. But I've also mentioned this before and that sometimes it just becomes too much and they start 
like sort of spills over into wallowing into it, mm. which I don't like. <laughs> but yeah, you know, these, these movies like Jigoku and Blind Beast both kind of like just too stuck in a place. Uh, and I just want them to pick a lane, you know. It's this thing where uh, creators, they just want to give in to making trash, but they also want to be taken seriously. Uh, yeah, I, I struggle with that stuff. Can you define trash in this scenario? Is that is, would trash just mean making a movie that is about a feeling? Like, is it is it just that it's flat? Yeah, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Like, just this, like, it's very hard to define what trash is. But there's, how do you define trash? Is it just like about it, that that violence and sex are sort of lowbrow? Yeah, they definitely. Because I'm with you, but I'm trying to understand my own feelings right now. <laughs> no, they are, but it's a very, it's a very delicate thing. Like, it it also easily for me becomes like, it's just a delicate balance. Like, it can yeah. easily become become too violent and too sexual, but also too little is too little. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. It's it's mostly like based on a feeling. Um, it's the same thing I have like with action movies. Like, how do you define a good action movie? How do you know what makes a good action movie? And it's just like, it's just a feeling you get while watching it. You can tell like the viscerality and the right motions are being made and the right impacts are being made and uh, that other movies lack. And with this as well, like, I guess they're just like, ultimately, it's just trying to be too artsy and... It gets a little too abstract at the end to be like real trash. Like real trash doesn't make any pretense about like, there's obviously like visual metaphors, even in trashy movies, but they bother way less with that. It's, yeah. it's, it's definitely more flat and more one dimensional, but it sort of like trades that in for more visual excess and more like superficial appeal. I guess in the end. Mm. And I feel like when a movie isn't really appealing to me on an intellectual level or an artistic level, or it's like, it's, it's not enough. Then I want to visual access. Then I want the movie to, to move me on an instinctual level almost, you know? And yeah, both of these movies, blind beast and Jigoku are stuck in the middle of like, they're not doing one and they're not doing the other either. So that's why it's, for me, they, they lack the qualities of proper cinema, whatever that is. Uh, but they're also just not trashy enough. Mm. Sometimes I can enjoy stuff that falls in the middle, but even, even that wasn't happening for me. Like, I can't explain it any other way, but yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if maybe part of the problem is that neither of these feel based in... <sighs> Like, I want to say reality, but that's not really my problem. It's like, it could, it could have been sci-fi. It wouldn't have mattered. Like, it's, yeah. they don't, they're not, they don't feel relatable in any kind of way. In like no, any sort no. of human way. No, like with no. Blind Beast, I think that if the, the woman, if the, the, um, Aki, the model had, hmm. if we had gotten into her head and understood her more because fear, her fear is relatable, but yeah. it's also, of course, she got kidnapped by a weirdo <laughs> freak. You yeah. know, of course. Yeah. And yet the movie kind of veers more into, you know, as you mentioned, like it veers into his head. It veers into the sculptor's head. And 
And I guess for someone out there, that's very relatable, but obviously <laughs> like for, I, I would guess for the majority of people, like we're not really fantasizing about kidnapping women and like keeping them in our basement forever. Uh, so it's a little less intriguing to me. Mm. And, you know, it's also like weirdly specific with his, like, you know, with the sort of Freudian overbearing mother figure and all of that. <laughs> and then with Jigoku, it's kind of like, you know, everything is just so terrible. Like it, it goes from it's miserable. really. Yeah. It goes from like, you know, everything's perfect to everything is awful. And in such a quick way that you don't really have time to process any of the no. horribleness. And so you kind of lose that emotional impact that yeah, I think that's... could have maybe mattered more in the end. No, because it's true. at the end, you're just excited to be in hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I mentioned. Like the pace of Jigoku, like it, it, it's okay to like, start slow if there's a payoff you know like invest right. some time in the things that matter other than getting to these like story beats like okay this person dies this person dies uh it's it's all just like yeah i don't know like stacking up miserable bite-sized experiences for the main character to justify his descent into hell but, but yeah i don't know yeah i mean it, it has to be something like a little bit more than that i guess yeah, like it, i mean it's, it's it, that's fine but um you know, if you really want me to feel something or just be honest, be honest. Or just and go say, straight to hell, like in the, in the <laughs> right. first minute and just spend the entire movie there. Exactly. Be honest with yourself. Realize that all you want to do is the hell sequence. Yeah. And just do it, you know, like, cause I'm yeah. sure that that would have been a better film. And and even with Blind Beast, like I, I actually really like, I like the ending of it, hmm. but it could have come a lot quicker. And it's not yeah. even, it's only an hour and a half that movie, but yeah. you know. <laughs> like hour 20 minutes even, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, it's mm. you know, so I don't know. I maybe that's maybe that's what it is. It's like a, a like a lack of of emotional honesty from the filmmaker. Yeah, it's absolutely that. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like in schlock and like trashy movies, obviously not always there's like exceptions, but I feel those are some of the most honest movies you can make because you're like mm. not pretending to be anything but which I really resonate with. And like horror movies, I, I, I started looking at like Japanese horror movies that I really like. And honestly, they're kind of far and few between. There's a couple, but in general, most of them sort of go back to exploring like sexual perversions. <laughs> Maybe I'm just kind of boring that way, but that doesn't do it for me. Like, you know, I always find that stuff icky kind of easily, you know, uh, like there's like there's some stuff in Jigoku that I'm not going to talk about because it's a spoiler. And then there's like basically S&M and, and Blind Beast. And I'm like, that's so Japanese to like pick those <laughs> kind of things and uh, make that like part of the shock value of the movies. It's always that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always a, a like a challenge watching an older film where sometimes like the point maybe of the film is it, not that there's only one point of any film, but that the film focuses a bunch on breaking down some like, you know, dealing with uh, an uptight society that, of course, yeah, yeah, we yeah. watching now have to, to kind of remind ourselves continually of like, actually, this is subversive to even show this or this. No, is, that's true. That's true. You know, and, and the stuff in both of these, honestly, is still, I would say, pretty shocking even for today when it when it like lets itself go and it yeah, really yeah. goes for it. But um, yeah, it's not like it's not something I haven't seen before, which feels like kind of a fucked up thing to admit. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 
I don't know. It's it's like how am I looking at these movies? Am I looking at them objectively or subjectively? But like I can only do one thing, really, <laughs> if I'm being honest with myself. And then I just land at you know exploring the sexual perversion stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't know. This is not. Uh, yeah. The sculptures not... felt more exciting to me in that way. You know, yeah, like they, yeah. that that's, felt that's, more that's fresh cool. and interesting and weird. Like, and, cool. and I would love to be on that set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool stuff. Because I don't know, I guess because we're like both artistic minded and that's why that stuff will appeal to us and we'll stick with us. But uh, it's even more disturbing, you know, to be surrounded by like these disembodied mm -hmm. body parts yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's like, a, like to me, that's more visually arresting than like a naked woman being tortured or something like yeah i did like the part i guess at the end with like the the, the limbs falling off the, the <laughs> yeah. sculpture that was yeah. kind of cool yeah like it's it's a way of showing something without showing something you know working around your limitations in an artistic way uh that was pretty cool like totally. i'm not gonna get into the like the details of what happens because you know it's at the end of the movie yeah, it's like the so, last five minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I think people should check both of these movies out, honestly, if they're interested. But yeah, they're, they're you know, temper your expectations, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should watch every movie. <laughs> True. So, you know, might as well watch these as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, for real. Like, if you're interested in Japanese cinema, you're probably going to watch these movies or have they will already already be on your radar so you know might as well uh i don't regret watching them especially like jigoku I'm, I'm glad i finally watched it even if it didn't live up to what i had built up in my head i'm just glad to check that mark <laughs> right as for blind beasts like yasuzo masamura i'm not very inclined to check out a fourth movie of his unless someone's like no this one's different and it's someone i trust then i might but otherwise yeah i don't know like when you watch three movies from the same director and they all kind of leave you hanging right yeah i don't know i would say that you should watch both of these movies just so that you can tell other people that you watch them because it will sound much crazier than it is to watch <laughs> yeah yeah you can give like a summary of the movies and they'll go like what the fuck and yeah you'll, you'll get some real cred cool. yeah <laughs> <laughs> then you'll explain where you heard about these movies and you'll right. say notes from the back row post anime club then you'll be even cooler <laughs> silence <laughs> I can't snap again I always try This podcast is a presentation of back-row.com, co-founded by Veronica Dolgenko and Jenna Ipkar, also featuring Carlo Van Stepout and Dan Gorman.